0: Hello, and welcome to the Booksmarts Podcast, where we talk about publishing data and technologies and send you away with some insights that will help you sell more books. I'm your host, Joshua Talent. Before we dive into this week's podcast, I wanted to say a brief thank you to everyone who has been listening to the Booksmarts Podcast. I know many of you have been listening since the very beginning, and I'm really grateful to you that you've taken the time to listen every couple of weeks and keep up with what's going on. Uh, It's been really great to talk to all the people that I've talked to so far, uh, to have these conversations about publishing and about what really matters in publishing. Uh, And I really hope that it's inspired you. I hope that it's encouraged you. I hope that it's challenged you. uh, And that as you listen to the podcast, you're getting valuable information, actionable insights uh, that you can use to make your publishing process even better. Uh, We're gonna continue in the next year. Uh, This will be the last show for 2021, uh, but we'll be back in January doing more interviews, more discussions. And if you have suggestions about who you think I should bring on or topics you think I should be discussing, I would love to hear that. I'm planning to bring some of the people that I've already interviewed back and talk about other things and dive deeper into some of the topics. Um, But I also want to bring in new voices and I would love to hear uh, what your thoughts are about what's important to you and what challenges you're running into in your publishing business. So let's uh, come together, talk about some of those things, and I would love to uh, to bring those topics out. So we'll jump into this week's podcast with Scott Miller. I'm really excited to talk with Scott. I think he's got some great things to say uh, about how he does publishing uh, and, and how publishing works for his company um, and some other things. So this is going to be a great episode, and I, I hope that you enjoy it. And we'll see you guys again in the new year. Thank you very much. Oh, and also a quick note about my audio this week. Apparently my recording software decided to record the uh, microphone from my webcam instead of my actual microphone, so things don't sound quite as nice as they normally do, Uh, but we have that fixed in the future, and uh, hopefully you'll still be able to hear everything well. Thanks a lot. So, this week on the Booksmarts podcast, I have former CMO and EVP of Business Development at uh, Franklin Covey Company and now uh, serves as an advisor on thought leadership and publishing strategies. Scott Miller, thank you, Scott, for coming on the show. I really appreciate
1: you joining me. Joshua, my delight. Thank you for the platform today. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, this is great. So, you've actually been, you have your own podcast on leadership. Uh, where you interview very interesting people. So uh, we can talk about that uh, at some point if you like. I would love to talk about the publishing strategies that you guys uh, are doing at Franklin Covey and what you've been working on. Um, you publish a lot of books. You have quite a few uh, really awesome titles that you are uh, currently working on and have published recently. So that's really great. And all of our listeners on the Booksmarts podcast are in some way connected to the book publishing industry. Most are mid-sized or larger publishers or work at mid-sized or larger publishers. Uh, we have distributors, we have basically everybody kind of across the board. So tell me just a little bit about the publishing process at Franklin Covey and how you approach finding the right authors, finding the right topics and and kind of coming about Uh, coming up with your ideas.
1: Sure. So We have some cred in this area. We've sold close to 60 million copies of our many titles. Of course, the most substantial being The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, translated into nearly 60 languages, and that book alone has sold close to 42 million copies and continues to be robust every day. We have about 10 uh, critically acclaimed bestsellers, whether they are New York Times or Wall Street Journal, I myself, have been privileged to author four books that have either been Wall Street Journal or Amazon number one bestsellers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're quite deliberate about both the topics and the authors which we uh, conscript, if you will, or invite to author those books. We're very deliberate about the quote, circumstance our clients are in. We are a leadership development company based in Salt Lake Mm -hmm. City with a global reach. And so we really are very uh, congruent when it comes to creating solutions that our clients will adopt and implement, you know, whether it be a module or some kind of self-paced learning or a stand-up live training. And we often will write a book around that topic, sometimes in advance of the course or the training or sometimes posthumously. Mm -hmm. But we typically are very careful to launch three books a year. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, but our sweet spot tends to be about three, one large, we might call a seminal book, Mm -hmm. and then maybe two Smaller, more strategic books on smaller markets or smaller business opportunities. Okay. When it comes to creating uh, authorship opportunities, we do a very thorough job of looking at the diversity of our authorship, whether it be through race or gender or experience or even geography or cultural or you know citizenship. We want to have authors that represent our clients because mm-hmm. our client base is more diverse than our employee base is, being a Utah-based company. I think in addition to, obviously, someone's credibility and expertise on a topic, mm-hmm. honestly, it's less can they write. Because quite frankly, most people don't write as good as they think they do. <laughs> I don't need someone to be able to write. Right. We can do that. We can hire a ghostwriter. We can interview them. We can do anything with their expertise. Right? They don't need to be able to sit down for five hours and type it out. Right. That isn't to say they don't do that. Many of them do do that. First and foremost, it's do they have expertise and do they have thought leadership on this topic? Mm-hmm. And then quite secondly is how good are they going to be at promoting the book? Because we all know that writing a book is about 10% of the process. Right. Promoting and launching a book is 90% or 95% of the process. So do they have the ability to speak on stage? Mm-hmm. Do they have the social media platforms? Are they willing to grow them, nurture them, and build them? Right. Do they have the charisma and the articulation to be able to be on 150 podcasts and uh-huh. 50 radio programs? So it's important that authorship begins at writing your expertise down and the vast majority is your ability to distribute it, maintain it, and support it for long tail benefit of that book and other books in our backlist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. You uh, you look at book publishing, and I bring this up probably on every podcast I record, but... Uh, you know, publishing is heavily weighted to the backlist. Sixty-nine percent of all book sales happen in the backlist. That seems to be even more important in business books specifically, uh, because it's you know when you when you write a good book that can meet the needs of many different types of people over the course of many different years, backlist is going to be even more powerful than say a, a novel might be. Um, so I I actually. Love this idea of launching a book with someone who has all these different things. How do you take that launch in that first year? Can you walk us through, say, the first year of of a book launch? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? What kind of strategies are you are you enacting?
1: Yeah, I'd even I'd even rewind it further than that, Joshua. I think you know right now that I literally just hung up the phone with the chairman of the board, talking about a book that I am thinking about for the company for twenty twenty five. Wow. It's now 2021, still yeah. right at the time of this taping, and so for us it usually takes somewhere between minimum 12 months and usually more like 18 months to write a book. Right. If you talk with a Seth Godin or a Jim Collins or a Brene Brown, they're going to tell you it might take them more like two or three years. Now Seth is a little more nimble, but a Dan Pink and a Jim Collins, they're going to tell you they probably check out for somewhere between 18 and 24 months and they go write a book. And they leave $100,000 a day on the table, no keynotes for nine months. So they leave millions of dollars of revenue on the table because they are all in on their research, their focus, their interviews, and their writing. Jim Collins will disappear for two years. Wow. Now, that's not our process, but that's, that, that is a good process. If you look at the books that are the seminal books out there, these authors have often done this similarly. Mm-hmm. So we spend somewhere between twelve and eighteen months writing a book. It then takes, as you know, a minimum of once you have submitted your final manuscript to a publisher, it is a minimum of nine months between the time that happens and your book is launched. Oftentimes right. it's closer to about twelve months. Right. Sometimes now even longer with the post pandemic reality. I mean, printing presses went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. There are books that are, you know, delayed because they literally cannot get them printed. And of course, Ingram and others that are distributors are, are it's harder to get the books out to the retailers. right. So I would say from conception to launch, minimum twenty four months, mm-hmm. And then we're doing a whole variety of things. We are building that author's social media, right? We are building their keynote speaking business. We're making sure that they're on every possible platform, engaging with their audience and growing it. you know Instagram, fifty thousand followers, LinkedIn, thirty thousand connections. Mm-hmm. Facebook, public and private, both maxed out. Should they move to TikTok? Should they be in Clubhouse? Should they be on YouTube? Are they on Twitter? I don't subscribe to the idea of pick one platform. I think we should be on many platforms because quite yeah. frankly, you might have people that are a different demographics on different platforms, but they all might buy your book. Uh-huh. I was at a, I did a keynote yesterday for my new book, Master Mentors, to a large realtor conference in Dallas. It was interesting. They had a woman there talking how this this year she's going to have three hundred million dollars of sales in real estate. Three hundred million in real estate. Wow! And she's on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, but quite frankly, most people over the age of fifty, I think, are still on Facebook and even LinkedIn. I would suggest yep. that. So know uh-huh. where your audience is. But we have you know we have uh, publicists and and uh, agents that help us book ourselves on a minimum of a hundred podcasts. for every book that I launch. I will appear on at least 100 podcasts in the first 90 days, wow. at least. You have a lot of authors that say, well, only give me the top 1% of podcasts. Well, good luck with that because last time I, I checked, Joe Rogan's booked. <laughs> good luck right. getting on his podcast, right? So uh, I think the wise authors do anything and everything that comes their way mm-hmm. to build credibility but an audience because you never know when a small podcast is going to have someone from a large company and they choose to order a thousand books and have you give a keynote. Right. So I pick up every opportunity possible when I, as an author, am launching a book and I coach and insist that all of our authors do the same.
0: That's great. And then long tail maintenance is obviously important as well. Uh, you're you're taking advantage of uh, the the platforms these authors have and that you have to build out that uh, that sales funnel and really get people to see the book more often. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Um, about sales. One of the interesting things that I've seen recently, I'm talking with a a publisher named Todd Satterson, who uh, is a publisher at Bard Press in Portland. Um, and Todd wrote a really interesting article last year that I will be recording a podcast with him about very soon um, called the, uh, the Magic Number. And the idea and the research that he's done looking at a couple of thousand business books over the course of a couple of years uh, is to uh, when you can reach 10,000 titles sold in the first year, um, that is a break-even point for being able to even succeed at the 25,000. You have a 42% chance of reaching 25,000 in a lifetime sales. But if you don't hit that 10,000 in the first year, you have like a 2% chance of reaching 25,000 in, uh, in the lifetime of the book. So that first year is obviously really important and it builds that process for the long tail. So you have any thoughts about that, looking at your publishing processes, looking at your successes, and even any failures that you've had. uh, Have you seen that kind of pattern and any other thoughts you have on that?
1: I had not heard those numbers, but they seem reasonable, intuitive. Mm -hmm. And by the way, 10,000 copies of a book is a blockbuster. That is a lot of copies. You know, Most publishers would be quite delighted with three and a half to four thousand copies the first year, kind of a break even for them. Obviously, yep. the publishing business—they don't make money on the majority of their books. They make their big money on the select few that go, you know, massively large. Yep. Although, like you say, the the, the publishing business is a long term bet, right? This is a multi multi year process. When I tend to write books, I tend to retain my foreign rights. I have a I have a, I have a um, aggressive team. My book—I had two books yesterday. One sold in Georgian, like whatever language the people that live in the country of Georgia speak, maybe it's a version of Russian, I'm not sure. I had another book sell in Arabic yesterday. So at any given day, I am selling my books, foreign rights and foreign languages. And I am still on podcast for books that I've authored two and three years ago, weekly, building the backlist. I do anything and everything to continue to keep that backlist moving, including refreshing books, rewriting them, re-editing them, re-releasing them, talking about each of my books and my other books as well. And highlighting them all it's 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 ten thousand is a lot of books yeah i think a lot of people think they're going to sell a lot of books and they realize okay well their christmas card list is 87 people their friends and family is 42 people and their high school you get it right and you you know yeah. you might scratch your way to 300 because mm-hmm. only half of the people who say they will buy their book will actually buy your book <laughs> right and your book isn't for everyone we've mm-hmm. had some failures we had a book on customer loyalty it debuted at i think number three on the wall street journal list it fell off the cliff because everybody who was the chief customer service officer bought that book the first week and then no one else bought it. Right. I had someone come to me last week, an Australian who wants to write a book aimed at teenage boys to connect the value of physical fitness with their life self-esteem. I said, that's a great book. I just don't think your reader is your buyer. Your buyer is the dad or the mom. Right. And I don't know that There's that many people looking for that title. You would be very, very thoughtful. I said, that's a tough audience. Now, if you're writing a book about chemical engineers, that's a tough audience. How many of them are there out there? I don't know. 400,000? And how many will buy your book? 400? Right. So you've got to know your market. You got to check your ego as an author, as a branding agent to really understand not everybody is in, the, is in business mm-hmm. to buy your book. I had someone approach me two weeks ago that wants to write a leadership book through the lens, I'm laughing, through the lens of an Idaho parent. And I said, ah, I'll bet that's lovely. But unless your name is Oprah Winfrey, not many people care about your memoir. Memoirs don't sell unless you are a major celebrity yep. and you've just extracted yourself from Scientology. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, no one cares. Right. I don't think there are enough people out there that really care about now, – now tell that to Reed Drummond. Reed Drummond was an Oklahoma you know, lady who had YouTube videos on how to grill a steak. Mm-hmm. And that has become amazing, re-drummond, as a lifestyle expert in her T V program, her cookbook. So I don't mean to dissuade people, but you've got to strike you got to strike gold. Yeah. And I don't know very many people that strike gold. They're very few and far between.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about the future of book readership. A lot of what you're doing now is not necessarily quote unquote books, right? Uh, how books are being understood and how, how we think of the, the format of a book has changed. We obviously have had a, a ton of audiobooks that have come out in the in the last uh, couple of years, and massive sales and massive changes in that industry. So tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about, about book readership uh, in the future and what you're working on on that front.
1: You know, there's several different markets to buy books, right? You know, There's the individual you know consumer market, we'll call it B2C. Mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, the B2B market. The majority of my books are sold B2B a company buys 1500 of them and I go and speak right or they buy 400 or they buy 100 I get on a plane from Salt Lake and I fly to Chicago because someone bought 120 books and I show wow. up for it and I hopefully crush it cuz now I've built you know 150 ambassadors to evangelize my book and maybe take their photographs and put them on Instagram of me and that kind of thing right so book selling it still happened you know one book at a time if you know Rick Warren who of course wrote the book The Purpose Driven Life uh-huh. I read ones where he cashed out his entire equity in his home, bought up every book the publisher printed, and drove around the nation in a van giving out books to small-town pastors. Mm-hmm. And literally the very end is when that book hit a tipping point. You know, The future of book readership is obviously changing with demographics. I think right now roughly about north of 85% of all books are still sold on Amazon. mm mm-hmm. I think it's somewhere north of about 50 to 60% of books are sold in print still. Print is still a very robust um, modality. I think that digital is strong and holding, but not growing exponentially. Audio is on a steep increase, right? So audio has been exponential. With the pandemic, leadership and business books have quite frankly been flat. Children's books and cookbooks and romance and fiction have been high for obvious reasons. That is changing a little bit right now. But still, people are buying books, quote, the old-fashioned format and print. They're just buying them online. Yeah, Less than 15% of all books are sold in any other retailer than Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's really important to think about in terms of your Google Analytics and your search words and your ads and your social media and where you're driving. And yes, your love for your independent bookstore is important, but facts are facts. Right. I think uh, – what is insightful about the future of the book industry is that I have recently signed a deal with a new publisher to take all of my existing books from other publishers and reformat them in video books. This particular book publisher has raised a substantial amount of money because they think that the YouTube generation of you know 10- and 20-year-olds will be consuming books via video in the future. Now, I'm not spelling or sounding out the the death of the print or audio or video book by any means. But I am now licensing all of my books to a new publisher that will turn my books into an hour-long video.
0: Okay.
1: What that means is that I will, on a green screen, narrate and talk about my book, but this publisher will recreate it in video. We'll pick out three or four of the big highlights of the story and go recreate them and re-interview those people or perhaps create those with um, stock footage or still photographs and create a compelling hour-long video book in Mm -hmm. probably 10 or 12 eight-minute segments, something like that. And I think you're going to see that format become an increasing format. I think traditional publishers, HarperCollins, Penguin, Random House, Simon & Schuster, need to be thinking about what they are doing to meet that YouTube generation in the future. I don't know that this is gonna be a blockbuster, but it's something certainly that's going to be a disruptive technology mm-hmm. that will find itself where it kind of emerges, right? The the original, yeah. the deliberate strategy won't be the emergent strategy on this, but I, as an author, and as a leader of Franklin Covey's books are very much interested in leaning out on this to see where this ends up.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, a serialized TED Talk in a way—that you know, ability to have those have those little clips to watch the piece that really matters to you, or watch the whole thing in sequence—and
1: yeah. it's like a documentary, but cut up into chapters, so someone can, you know, perhaps even pay the same price. They can just become more intimate with the author, more mm-hmm. intimate with the story, be visually, viscerally engaged in the key points of the story. Of course, not the entire book. You can't convert fifty thousand words into right. one hour by any stretch. But to highlight some of the key stories curated by the author and brought to life by, you know, a really remarkable masterclass-style video company, mm-hmm. I, I think it's got some legs to it.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. Awesome. So Scott, give me the give me the pitch on master mentors and what you're doing. This sounds like a really great book. So g- give me give me uh, the highlights on that.
1: How gracious of you. So I've just signed a ten-year, ten-volume deal with HarperCollins leadership to write a book about my podcast. Like you, I am privileged to host a podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller. It is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast, hitting between six and seven million each Tuesday, where I interview business authors, CEOs, celebrities, business titans, broadly around the topic of leadership. I include that to be culture, career, marketing, branding, financial awareness. It's a broad podcast under the lens of leadership. What I did was I took 30 of our first 100 interviews and selected people that I thought had a transformative insight to share. And I named this book Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. It's kind of like chicken soup for the leadership Mm -hmm. soul. It's fast, it's easy, it's breezy, one thought leader per chapter, one big idea per chapter. You can start anywhere, go everywhere. A publisher first passed on it because they thought it was too episodic. And I said, you're missing the point. That is the point. One chapter is with an acclaimed psychiatrist on brain health. The next one is with a master marketer on messaging. Then I go back to a celebrity on managing your brand, and I go over to somebody on when to use PowerPoint. And it is quite episodic, but it generally is aimed at the business community. It's funny. It's witty. I share stories around how I rose to the occasion or didn't to be properly mentored by this person. I've just finished the second volume, Master Mentors Volume 2, with 30 new Mentors and 30 New Insights that'll launch in 2022. This is an audio book that I've read, digital and print, and it is one of the first books I will be um, translating into this video book format. It's done well. It debuted at number one on Amazon It's Selling Strong, and I'm keynoting three and four times a week on it now because I think most organizations are fixated on retention Uh and they're very focused on mentoring and building careers, hopefully inside their organizations. So Thank you for the spotlight on Master Mentors.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I'm I'm really excited to read it myself. I think it's uh it's got some great people, and I love Donald Miller and Seth Godin and Stephen Covey and, and these are these are people that really know their stuff. So it's really great to
1: And not everybody is a celebrity. Some people are people that I put in the podcast because they had an insight to share mm-hmm. that they weren't a household name. So it's not like a people magazine or us magazine, right? There are sure. some people that perhaps you haven't learned of that maybe you'll decide to buy their books or follow them. It really wasn't meant to be a spotlight. On these mentors that I've interviewed that I think have a transformative ability mm-hmm. to make a big impact on everyone who reads it. That's and it great. will hit it'll hit readers differently, right? Some readers will like four chapters and some will love fourteen mm-hmm. chapters. But I think if you read the book, you'll find something transformative for everywhere for wherever you are in your particular journey.
0: Awesome. Scott, thanks for coming on the Booksmarts podcast. I really appreciate your time. And uh, for those of you listening, if you want to check out his book, I'll have a link in the show notes. You can go grab that. That's it for this episode of the Booksmarts podcast. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. And also, please share this podcast with your colleagues. If you have topic suggestions or feedback about the show, please email me at joshua at com. And be sure to fill out the listener survey at booksmartspodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for joining me and getting smarter about your books.